Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, and we'll be in verse 36 to start off. And I'm so appreciative of the music this morning. It's prepared my heart. It really ties in well to what we are going to be looking at and studying from God's Word this morning. And for those of you who may not know me, I am Pastor Brandon. I'm the youth pastor here at Colonial, and I'm very thankful to be opening God's Word. Um, And many times as believers, we ask the question, how can I grow spiritually? How can I love God more? How can I grow in my relationship with Him? And when asked about the most important commandment, the greatest commandment, Jesus boiled it down to a statement that was made in Deuteronomy. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Years ago, I was listening to a preacher, and I'm going to fix my computer while I'm telling this story. Uh, Years ago, I was listening to a preacher, and uh, he was not behind a communion table, as I am, but I was listening to a preacher, and he was talking about the Ten Commandments. And really, as he was talking about the Ten Commandments, he talked about the importance of personalizing them. And really, when you tie in the greatest commandment that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 22 to the Ten Commandments, we ought to personalize them. And yes, the Ten Commandments are commands from God, but also we ought to personalize them. So he kind of reworded them and rephrased them this way, I love God so much that I'll have no other gods before him. When our heart is full of love towards the Lord, these commandments are not going to be grievous. They're going to be easy to follow. We, we obey these commands because we love him. Hey, I will not make any graven images to bow down to because I love God so much. Because I love God so much, I will not treat God's name like it's useless, like it's vain, like it's empty. And you can read up on the screen how he did this, but I think it really sets a good framework for where we're going to be this morning. So if you have your Bibles in Luke chapter 7, we're going to read verses 36 through 50. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most... And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. 
And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they sat at meat with him, began to say, and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Father, as we come before you this morning, we ask that you would draw our hearts closer to you, that as we seek to answer the question, how can I grow spiritually, how can I grow in my love for you, that this passage would shed some light on how we can grow in our affection for you and how your commandments that you've commanded us will become less grievous to us personally. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to personalize them, that we'd love you with our whole heart, soul, and mind. Lord, I pray that we'd love others as ourselves, that you'd allow us to see principles from this passage that would help us to live a life that glorifies you and honors you, the purpose for which we are created. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As a parent, some of the worst words you can hear on Christmas morning after all the presents are opened are, is that all? (laughs) And I don't know if you've experienced this, um, but when I was growing up, you probably haven't experienced this specific story, but when I was growing up, my, my mom was very big on recording all of our birthdays on video. And back in that day, it wasn't just on the phone. My dad had to carry around like a big camcorder up on his shoulder. Do you guys remember those? You need like a strap and like a, a, a back band to keep your back from hurting after carrying them. My dad would pop a VHS, you young people don't know what that is, into the, into the camcorder. And one birthday, my brother was turning five or six. I don't remember which one, but my dad forgot to put a tape into the camcorder. So this sets the stage for the real part of the story. My mom was very big on this, so she decided to have a re-birthday party. (laughs) So she invited all of my family back to our house. She re-wrapped all of their presents. She put the cards back into the envelopes, and we pretended it was his birthday. Now remember... My brother was five or six years old. So what happened and what follows was both hilarious and embarrassing. Each gift that he opened, he ungratefully exclaimed, I already got this. (laughs) I remember one specific time he opened an envelope that had a card in it that the first time around had money in it, and he said, where's the money this time? (laughs) His six-year-old ungrateful attitude was on full display. Today.com conducted a survey among moms for their children's worst ungrateful brat moments. One mom said this, My four-year-old son opened an art set my mother-in-law had given him, and his reaction was to throw it down and scream, Oh, come on, Grandma. What were you thinking? I was horrified, but luckily she didn't hear him. This one's kind of unbelievable. One mom said, I can't recall my child having any memorable ungrateful moment. However... I do remember my ex-husband storming out of his parents' home one year because they had spent more money on our daughter than they had spent on him. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Today we're going to study through a story with two different characters, and one was blind to the value of the gift that Jesus was offering. The other was overwhelmed with gratitude, and it caused her to serve Jesus. She was overwhelmed by the same gift that was being offered by Jesus, forgiveness. And as we move through this passage, Jesus leads us through this passage and he draws us to a conclusion and really his main point in verse, verse 47. So we'll do the same, but let's start this morning with considering the characters in this story. Let's just kind of look at how they respond to Jesus, how they respond to what he's done. The first character we're going to kind of focus on is the prideful Pharisee. 
Let's reread some of these verses and see what he was all about in this interaction with Jesus. Let's read verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Now, as you read through the rest of the story, we can kind of read back into this verse that really, the Pharisee wasn't too concerned with actually spending time with Jesus, but simply he desired Jesus' recognition. He desired to be seen spending time with a teacher who was gaining fame, who was gaining favor amongst the people, and he desired Jesus' recognition. Do you only seek to grow or to serve for the recognition that it offers? He didn't really want to spend time with Jesus. We've already mentioned that. He only wanted to be seen spending time with Jesus. So I want to question you as you compare yourself to this prideful Pharisee, is that you? That as you seek to grow, you kind of quantify that in the recognition you receive or a lot of the externals. But then in verse 39, let's see another characteristic of this prideful Pharisee. Now when the Pharisee saw which had, Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, He spake within himself. So, interesting, he didn't say this out loud. He's having these thoughts within himself, and Jesus hears them. So there's a lesson for you and for me. Don't think anything you don't want God to hear. But Jesus responds to this man's thoughts. He said, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. So you see this Pharisee, he looked down on other people. He was full of pride. He was not only looking down on this woman who'd been involved in sin many times, but he was also looking down on Jesus. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known. He's judging him in his heart. And so again, examine yourself. Do you tend to look down on others? Hey, pastor wouldn't be spending so much time with that person and allowing them to serve if he only knew what I know about them. Hey, I'm glad that that person is not at church because their life is an absolute mess. Do you find yourself thinking thoughts like that? That, hey, that person is a sinner with a capital S and they don't belong to be spending time here. I've heard it said, church is not a museum for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. And because of his pride, he did not do anything for Jesus. He was not serving Jesus out of a heart of gratitude. Because of his own self-righteousness, let's read verses 44 through 46. Jesus points it out very plainly to him. He turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. This prideful Pharisee did not see himself as Jesus' servant. He did not go out of his way to be a gracious host. He showed no affection for Jesus. He showed no love for Jesus. He did not understand who was in his presence. He did not understand who Jesus was and who he was in comparison to Jesus. And when I served at a camp ministry early on in in Jessica and I's marriage, I was walking between buildings and someone came up to me And they put their arm around me in a very familiar way. And at first, I thought it was my wife, so I did not react. But it was not long before I looked over and realized that I was incorrect. I did a double take, and it was my friend's wife. 
And all of a sudden, I quickly realized and said, I don't think I am who you think I am. And she looked over and she mortified. Her face turned beet red. She said, oh, I thought you were, and she said my friend's name. (laughs) We had a case of mistaken identity. She didn't know who I was. She thought I was someone else. And that affected the way that she treated me. And this Pharisee had a case of mistaken identity with Jesus. He did not realize that Jesus was God himself. That he was the Messiah. He did not understand the value of the gift that Jesus was offering forgiveness. The Pharisee also experienced that case of mistaken identity. He did not realize who Jesus truly was. So could it be that you are not truly treating God in any special way this morning because you don't really have a deep understanding of who he is? That you're not treating him in any special way because you don't understand the value of what he's done for us and who he is and the value of who he is in himself. Maybe you compare yourself to other people like this prideful Pharisee and you think, hey, you know what? I've got it together. I'm doing pretty well. I've got it. I'm doing pretty good. As I look at other people, I'm more righteous than they are. We're comparing ourselves to the wrong person. But the other character in this story had a very clear understanding of who Jesus was. She knew what Jesus had to offer. So let's turn our attention from the prideful Pharisee to that adoring sinner. That woman who came in and understood the forgiveness that Jesus offered, how did she respond and act toward Jesus? Let's back up to verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. So the first thing I like to point out is that she sacrificially gave back to Jesus. She got some of her most valuable possessions, potentially her most valuable possession, and she came and she offered that to Jesus. She understood the gift that Jesus had given her in forgiveness, and she wanted to give back to him. So question for you, are you willing to give back to God? Not just your expensive stuff, but your attitude yourself? Could it include your possessions? Because of what God has done for you, do you have a giving heart? Let's read on in verse 38. She responds like this, and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Her emotions were stirred by Jesus. This was not just an external act that she thought was going to get her favor with Jesus. She wept. She understood. This moved her deeply, the forgiveness that Jesus had offered to. She she wept and kissed his feet. Her love for Christ was expressed herself in sacrificial devotion by what she gave to Jesus, but also she didn't care what anyone else in that room thought about her. She was going to worship him. When was the last time your heart was moved with love towards Jesus because you've been meditating on what he's done for you? That you stopped caring so much about what other people around you thought about you That you stopped allowing the fear of man to be a snare in your life, but you allowed that to be overwhelmed by the fear of God. Her expression of love didn't stop there. She continued and she did acts of service 
towards Jesus. We've already read verse 38. Let's reread 44 through 46. Seest thou this woman, I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Second half of verse 45. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. Second half of verse 46. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Do you see the contrast between this prideful Pharisee and this adoring sinner? This woman who'd been forgiven of so much. While he actually did nothing for Jesus, she served him with an overwhelming, overwhelmed heart. She took the role of the lowliest servant in the home. So in your pride, do you avoid serving Christ? Do you avoid serving in your home, in your church? Do you avoid serving because you don't recognize who Jesus is? Do you avoid the bad jobs only desiring the prominent ones? Remember the story, many of you have read it, The Count of Monte Cristo. Remember the part where Edmund Dantes, he finally escapes from prison and he comes across a group of criminals. And a, one specific man, his name was Jacopo. And Jacopo, as he is double-crossed the rest of the criminals in that group, they're about to kill him. And Jacopo responds and he says, after Edmund Dantes saves him from the rest of those criminals, I am your man forever. He wanted to serve Edmund Dantes the rest of his life because he knew that he'd been saved and his life had been saved. The Pharisee was blind to who he himself was, who Jesus was, and who the woman was. But this woman realized that she owed and she had gifts she could give back to Jesus because of what he'd given her. She responded accordingly. She gave, her emotions were moved, and then she served Jesus in any way that she could while she was in that home. So as we continue, again, I want you to ask yourself the question, am I more like the Pharisee or this adoring sinner in this passage? And I really think that the answer can be found in what we in our hearts condemn, what we look down on. The self-righteous condemn other people. We've already touched on this topic, but in verse 39, this Pharisee looked down on Jesus. He looked down on the woman. He thought he was better than her. If he really were a prophet, he would know that this, who this sinful, wretched, disgusting woman is. Again, he was showing how unaware he truly was. So question for you and me again, do you find yourself looking down on others instead of looking up to Jesus? That you're not thankful for what he's done and the forgiveness that he offers, but instead you start to judge others. Do you view yourself as self-righteous? Hey, I'm a good person. Hey, I don't really need Jesus' forgiveness all that much. I haven't stole anything today. I haven't committed immorality in my mind this week. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I have news for all of us. Jesus did not save us just not to do bad stuff. He saved us to serve him. He saved us to proclaim him. He saved us to reach out to other people. It is not enough just to maintain, hey, I am not sinning. Because this prideful Pharisee committed sins of omission rather than sins of commission. He didn't do bad stuff, but nor was he doing good things that Jesus commanded him to do. 
This woman committed sins of commission. She did things that other people could see. It was well known in the city. People knew who she was and what she had done. And she had committed a lot of sin. Do you find yourself in the same situation? Maybe you're not out committing a bunch of sin, but neither are you promoting Christ's likeness. Is your love for, for Christ causing you to sacrifice, to give, to love, and to serve others in Jesus Christ? Is it motivating you to actually change? Because while the Pharisee condemned the woman and he condemned Jesus, in his mind, the Lord turns it around and he, he condemns self-righteousness. In verse 40, he says unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And then, in verses 44 through 47, he says the same thing we've read in verses 44 through 46. But let's read verse 47 again. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And basically, Jesus pointedly says to Simon, Simon, your heart's not in this. There's no relationship here. You are not being thankful for the forgiveness. And would you have to admit that that is also where your heart is today? You haven't truly sacrificed, given, or served others or God in quite some time. Because you have taken your eyes off of the gift that God has given you in forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And instead you desire recognition. You desire for other people to see what you do. Maybe you have looked down on others as this Pharisee did. Maybe you don't do anything for Jesus. There's no real heart for service. And if you're honest with yourself, maybe you're in the position this morning where everything you do is for that recognition and promotion. So Jesus pointed out Simon's problem with a case study, a parable. He tells this story to Simon Peter, and he uses that example or that illustration in verses 41 through 43. So let's reread it. He says, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. To briefly summarize what's been stated in this parable, he says two debtors owed a creditor different amounts, but neither of them was able to pay. And I'm going to pause here for a moment because Simon, as we've already mentioned, was guilty of sins that other people could not see, while the, the woman was guilty of sins that were evident to all people. People could see them, they were obvious, but they had something in common. Neither was able to pay their debt to God. Neither had anything that they could offer to God for forgiveness. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, that we have salvation. We are all sinners. And God is an absolutely holy God. And because God is holy and because God is just, He is not just going to take our sin and sweep it under the rug and act like it did not, did not happen. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto men once to die and after that, the judgment. But Jesus provided a way for the wages of our sin to be paid. In that very next verse of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, it says this, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. He was our substitute. 
He paid the wages of our sin on the cross. And in the next verse, verse 28, He became that, uh, that offering to bear the sins of many. In Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do you and I accept that gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ? Just like the woman we're going to read about in verse 50, it talks about her faith. Our way of salvation is by faith. We are justified by faith by placing our faith in Jesus Christ that He has accomplished what we cannot. It says in Romans that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Faith has always been the way to salvation all throughout biblical history, but how can God give us eternal life? How do we have hope? The hope that's promised to you and me is based solely upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I can have eternal life because Jesus conquered the grave and he conquered death. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. God's a God of hope. And you and I, no matter how many sins you have committed, we all have a debt, different amounts, so to speak, but neither of us are able to pay. But Jesus paid it for you. Jesus paid the wages of your sin. Does your faith rest on that truth this morning? Not your own works of righteousness, but Christ's. And moving on in the example Jesus uses, he says that the debtor that's forgiven more will love the creditor more. And then Jesus, at this point, he starts to turn that spiritual corner and turns into the spiritual application. We've read through verses 44 through 46 multiple times this morning. We've seen the contrast between the Pharisee and the woman. So now, let's jump ahead to verse 47 again. This is where Jesus draws us to the conclusion, the whole main point of this interaction. That verse, verse 47, opens up with, Wherefore? Because of what we've just talked about, Simon. Here's the conclusion. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, that's reality, she's committed a lot of sins, are forgiven. That's also reality. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. So what can we learn from this passage? Those who understand their forgiveness will love God much. How do we love God much? We understand our forgiveness Now, this parable does not deal with the literal amount of people's sin, but it does deal with the awareness of our sin. And the awareness, even more specifically, of Jesus' forgiveness. And this woman was very aware of the depth and breadth of the forgiveness that was offered to her. But on the other hand, Jesus says those who underestimate their sin will love God little. A Sunday school teacher had just concluded her lesson and wanted to make sure she'd made her point. So she asked a review question and asked the children to raise their hand to respond. She said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? There's a few moments of silence. No one responded. And then from the back of the room, a young man raised his hand. And the teacher laughed at his response to the question, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? The young boy said, sin! A lot of the class laughed. But in reality, it's true. It's funny and cute. 
But it's true. You and I must acknowledge that we need forgiveness because we've all sinned. And sin is a big deal to God. Sin nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. God did not take sin lightly. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, Too many think lightly of sin and therefore think lightly of the Savior. Thomas Watson said, Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. So I ask you again as we draw this to a close this morning, which character are you more like? The prideful Pharisee who takes his sin lightly or the adoring sinner who made much of Jesus Christ. And I want to highlight something here. Her focus was not on her sin, but her focus was on God's forgiveness. But I also want to point out her focus was not on the sin of others. And so often, like this prideful Pharisee, we can look around and we can start to focus on the sin of other people and we can become bitter. We can say, how could a Christian treat me that way? I do not want you to leave here this morning weighed down by the multitude of your past sins. That's not the point that Jesus made and it's not the point I'm trying to make this morning. I want you to leave here relieved by the monumental forgiveness that's offered by Jesus Christ. Believer, when you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. It's been paid for, it's done. And as of this morning, maybe you are here and you have not yet trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have not yet experienced that forgiveness and the relief that comes with that forgiveness. God offers it to you. It's not only after you clean up your life. You don't earn your forgiveness by getting rid of your sin. Jesus takes care of that. He gets rid of your sin because it's been paid for on the cross. It's not what you've done. It's what Jesus has already done. It's been paid for. So how can you grow in your love for the Lord this morning? How can you learn to love much? Jesus brings us to this point at the very end. Appreciate the magnitude of your forgiveness. Appreciate the depth of your forgiveness. And no, you don't have to take track and keep track of all of your sins that you've committed in the past, but trust God that they are all forgiven. Jesus said, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. So again, I ask you, are you more like that prideful Pharisee this morning, or are you more like the adoring sinner? Do you find yourself thinking or even saying, hey, you know what, that sin isn't that big of a deal. Hey, you know what, this sin, uh, it's, it's a small one. I, I, this is an acceptable sin in my worldview, because I'm going to warn you, if you start to think lightly of your sin, you're probably going to start thinking lightly of your Savior. To whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Appreciate the magnitude of your forgiveness. You and I deserve to be separated from a holy God forever. But God in his love sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place. And if you've trusted Christ, you've received God's infinite forgiveness. But if you haven't, you can today. God offers it to you. And this woman was not saved simply because she loved much. Let's look at verse 50. What does Jesus say? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. You can have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins can be forgiven. One additional closing thought. Yes, appreciate the magnitude of your forgiveness, 
But how else can you grow in your love for the Lord? Increase in your knowledge of God. 2 Peter 1-2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Are you spending time in God's Word? When situations come up in your life where maybe you're tempted to get bitter at God and ask the question, how could God do this? And people say, hey, you know what? God is bringing this difficulty into your life. God is not being good to you. You can look back and say, you know what? That's not the God that I know from Scripture. Grace and peace is multiplied to me when I know who God is. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. It delights God when you delight in him. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org or check us out on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.